nothing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Squat Cobbler. Like and subscribe. I am Dr. Mike at Official Pagan on Everything, and joining me as always... Hi, everybody. This is Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. Like and subscribe. And tonight we are back with another prisoner exchange. You know how you can hear more of these prisoner exchanges, guys? Just like and subscribe. So anyway, we're back with another prisoner exchange where Kelly and I recommend albums to each other and review them. But they're albums the other one is maybe not as familiar with who have impacted the person who is recommending them. Now, Kelly, for tonight's album, I recommended an album by the band Guns N' Roses. Now, listeners of this show will know that they are a little-known garage band that we gave a platform to, and it's working out pretty well for them. I think if they stick with it, they could really get up to something here. What were your thoughts? I don't know if you would ever really listen to Guns N' Roses beyond just our, our, you know, giving them a helping hand on the show. I had not. You know, beyond familiarity with the songs that they did, they got major radio play. That had really been uh, my familiarity beyond, of course, the, the powerful squat cobbler bump that we provided them. So this was actually great because I knew this was a favorite of yours. And it was, it was, I had very little frame of reference beyond the things that got major radio play. And spoiler, I really, really like this album. Good. Now, I'll be honest with you, and I don't want to get too much into like the history of the band. They've been around a long time. The earliest incarnation of this band started the year I was born. And so there's tons and tons of stuff out there, but it's actually better, particularly with this record, going into it without a lot of knowledge of the band. The reason for that is this album, when it was released, had a ton of baggage that really overshadowed the album itself for a long time. Now, since it's released, and it was successful, it got good praise from critics it sold a lot of copies, especially internationally. So it was a, just another big successful record for them. But the the drama behind it for a while was really overshadowing the record itself. So I actually think it's better going into a review of it or anything like that with as limited knowledge as possible. It took a really long time. So they are sort of perfectionists <laughs> and in their long storied career have only released three proper studio <laughs> albums. There are some odds and ends things, a handful of EPs, a couple of live records and most recently a box set but at its core there's really only three full-length studio <laughs> records from the band and this was the longest gap between new material at least a, a full-length release there were lineup changes uh fighting very public fighting with some of the former members lawsuits with management companies with their own record label weird feuds with big companies <laughs> like dr pepper false starts for a tour to support this a couple of times before everything kind of got going so just the drama overshadowed the actual music for a while and it's it's a shame because i think it honestly is their strongest record overall and also too even so duff mckagan who was the bassist in the band's classic lineup and has rejoined them for their last couple of tours he did not play on this record and has actually said that he feels it was a shame that there was so much drama when initially came out that he feels that this is their pet sounds and even though he didn't play on it, he thinks it's their strongest record and said that just like Pat Sounds, it's one of those records that had to kind of grow on people a little bit just because all the behind the scenes stuff just outweighed people's ability to look past that and kind of hear the music at first. And again, though, the record was a huge success. You wouldn't think that, though 
had you <laughs> read some of the publicity at the time that it came out. So what was your initial reaction, sir, when you heard this? So after going through it in its totality, my kind of big, big takeaways were there's amazing guitar work <laughs> throughout the entire album. Uh, and there were a lot of songs that'll be in my notes to say, hmm, didn't expect to hear this. You know, this sounds a little different than what I expected. And I, you know, I didn't have a strong frame of reference, but I had a little bit of one. And there were multiple songs on this that I was like, oh, I, I just really, for whatever reason, did not expect to hear that kind of particular delivery. There's good variety on this album. So I get kind of the, the Pet Sounds connection in terms of the creative. You can tell there's a lot of energy and, and creativity that came into putting putting this together. And so I uh, my biggest takeaway was more diverse than I expected. And, I, you know, you while you, you're my tastes are not 100% aligned, they're close. And so... You being a big, big fan, I didn't assume that I wouldn't like this, but I I liked it even a little bit more than I expected to. Very nice. And and just for full disclosure on that, not only am I a fan of the band, we have worked with Guns N' Roses. We've had members of Guns N' Roses on Loud and Loaded back when we had the radio station. So we do have some crossover there. That's why I always, I always joke about us giving them the bump in popularity and all that. Not that they necessarily need it. The important takeaway things that you need to know from this, despite all the all the the doom and naysayers around the time the album came out. Uh, the band is on tour right now. It is not only their biggest tour, and this is impressive just for any band, I think, that's been around for a long time because usually where you see bands downsizing and things like that, their current tour is the most successful of their entire careers and is rapidly on its way to taking, because I think this is important <laughs> to note, is going likely to become the highest grossing tour of all time. It is over three quarters of a billion dollars grossed in ticket sales so far. And I don't believe that includes the merchandise and things like that along with it. Those are squat cobbler kind of numbers there. <laughs> yeah. So basically they just print money <laughs> at this point in their career. So, <laughs> but so as much as, as people do complain about the long gaps between releases and, and I get that as a fan, you can't argue with, with, what's happening <laughs> so at this point in their careers they they should be on the you know the farmland festival circuit <laughs> kind of thing right now not playing the biggest shows of their career um one of the things I, I would love to find hopefully i can find a clip of it to share with you when they played ireland earlier in this tour they played at a castle and you can just see hundreds of thousands of people outside <laughs> surrounding the castle as they're playing just ridiculous stuff and obviously squat cobbler played a huge part in getting them <laughs> to where they are today. The main things to know about this record going into it, though, it was falsely reported that this was going to be an electronic record and not a rock album at all. That was really due to uh, frontman and, and founder of the group, Axl Rose. Uh, he personally is huge into electronic music, and he had put a solo song on at the end of one of Guns N' Roses' projects, which was a full-on electronic song. So people kind of thought that was the direction this was going to go. It it doesn't. Um, Guns N' Roses, I would describe more as like though their vision of it that they've stated numerous times is, is like a heavier queen, like big operatic songs, but more metal leaning. And I do think that they largely accomplished that on this. One of the important things to me that's a good takeaway from this band the guitar playing is always amazing. Honestly, from a technical standpoint, Richard Fortas, and I'm not just saying this because he played on Pagan stuff, in my opinion, from a technical standpoint, he's probably one of the greatest guitar players of all time. I think he's just an incredible guitarist. He's 
the longest serving guitarist of the band as well. He plays on this record, of course, and, and contributed to the writing. Some other squat <laughs> related things people would, would probably be interested in. Devo drummer Josh Fries contributed to this. Uh, he plays on a couple of songs and helped out with the arrangements on a couple of songs. So little fun squat trivia for everyone. Now let's just jump right into this. What did you think of the album cover, sir? So the album cover is kind of a sepia tone picture of a bike with a basket. And by the way, I know how to sepia tone. So there's that. <laughs> Pretty impressive, huh? Old school <laughs> sepia tone, not click an Instagram filter. So unexpected cover, not what I would expect for a Guns N' Roses cover. I'm assuming, given my deep international knowledge, that there are a lot of bikes in China, and that's the connection, and a basket, which would be a basket full of goods, very Keynesian, and that gets into the democracy part, but and a nice Guns N' Roses uh, painted on the back there. So I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool picture. Uh, I liked it uh, quite a bit. A nice little kind of logo with the Soviet stars down in the bottom for Guns N' Roses. So I, I dig it overall. Yeah, I, I like the cover. At first, I kind of didn't because I thought it was a little bit too subdued, but it plays into the whole theme that you really get into on the first track. So the title, and this will also take us into the first song, is Chinese democracy. So that is not a political statement by the band. They were doing interviews as the years were kind of going on and there didn't seem to be a new Guns N' Roses album coming out, including famously Universal had offered them a, a sizable bonus check to uh, complete and turn in a studio album. They accepted the check and never turned in an album, <laughs> which led to an unauthorized greatest hits record being released that the band promptly sued the label over. So they enjoy taking their time on records as we have already noted the title and a lot of the lyrics from the opening track come from them doing interviews and being asked you know by well-meaning <laughs> interviewers when they were intending on releasing new material their stock answer jokingly started to become when there's democracy in china <laughs> so because they were taking their time on it and part of that comes from the there is long gaps between their records their second project their second full-length proper album use your illusion was intended to be an eight record set of all new recordings and was was crossing into years and and large dollar amounts of recordings so the record company actually cut them off at about the halfway mark and it was released as two volumes instead of the four double vinyl volumes that they'd intended to be released as a box set of new material. And the records were were hugely successful, just like their first full-length album, which still holds the record as the best-selling debut record of all time. It was almost as successful as that. So in in uh, repayment, I guess, to them, they, they did basically write them a blank check and tell them that they would not rush them and the album will be done when it's done. They trust them to go off and do it. A lot of rumors swirled around over what was going on behind the scenes in terms of particularly frontman Axl Rose being sort of an iron fist ruler of the band and people being in fear of him and then them joking about how long it, it was taking them to to work on it. And I personally, I do think he's a very versatile vocalist, but my actual favorite part of what he always brings to the table is his lyrics. And I love that this song is just filled with crazy self-deprecating <laughs> lyrics, referencing that how long they're going to take making the record and how they don't care what anybody's opinion about that is how he is this iron-fisted dictator of the band, doesn't care what anybody thinks about that, and just the just the whole like funny sort of caricature of themselves. I like that the album kicks off with them not taking themselves very seriously lyrically, but then 
the music on it, I think, shows off what they can really do, particularly when you get to the guitar solos on there. Switching back and forth between the main guitarists on the record and getting Ron Thal on there, who does an incredibly fast guitar solo part on there. And I mean, not just short, but fast in his playing speed on that. I think that's the kind of stuff that people expect from Guns N' Roses is, is big theatrical but also very technical music particularly on the guitar part and you definitely get that on the song also for anybody who doesn't know most music gets banned in china that comes from western culture this though was declared by the chinese government as basically an act of war against them because they interpreted it as a political song pushing for actual democracy in china i guess they're not guns and roses fans and weren't familiar with the backstory so they made this not just banned in the sense that they would confiscate it or fine you for having it but a jailable offense for having this album in china and anybody who was associated with them had extra sanctions put on their records and that included pagan so i'm kind of proud of that (laughs) what were your thoughts on this sir well every squat cobbler episode is an act of war against handsome so let me start off by (laughs) clarifying that in case folks didn't know but strong start uh actually as i went through the whole thing this kind of hung in there is possibly my favorite song on the whole it's all good but this one kind of came to the the top great leadoff song we've talked about us both being first song guys i like the kind of ambient start to it kicking into the drums and the guitar the riff is awesome in there i almost as i heard this first one this totally sounds like a song that alice cooper could sing it's got it's got kind of that cadence to it that i could see him delivering vocals kind of very similar to what's done here and that obviously is a good thing in my opinion it's not an alice cooper sound but uh, some of the vocals i really felt i could hear alice doing the lyrics on this one just and nailing it and being pretty great but a really really strong start in a song i like very much well they are huge alice fans and have collaborated with alice cooper a number of times so for all the squatties out there who, so, who know we love our alice so i'd like to hear the alice version of chinese democracy <laughs> <laughs> yeah alice um alice has appeared on guns and roses records they backed him on the re-recording of under my wheels and various members of guns and roses have played on alice records over the years particularly slash who makes a few appearances but is not on this record <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't think i heard him a little yeah, a little more on, a little more on alice later but uh <laughs> so that brings us to the second song shackler's revenge so when some people heard this song <laughs> they thought that this was the beginning of the electronic music that they they anticipated this record to be like they were tricked with Chinese Democracy being a straightforward driving rock song. This was going to switch to an electronic record. This is not an electronic album. This this is the next Guns N' Roses album. If anything, I think people's main criticism behind the, the core three Guns N' Roses records is, other than the, the first to the second getting more operatic, this kind of just continues that. So it's more of what you like if you like them. The guitarist Buckethead did contribute to this album, though. And while I'm a big fan of him and think he's an incredible guitar player, he plays very very heavily affected guitars he loves his effects pedals strings them together to get a lot of weird interesting sounds and while this is my one big critique of this record while i think that works great on his solo stuff i can pick out every contribution he made to this record (laughs) because he doesn't fit the guns and roses sound it's just too heavily affected now granted they use distortion and things like that on their guitars his are overly affected though you hear that right at the beginning of this track uh, for the people who don't like this song as much, I, I understand that. And if you look up the live versions of it, though, without Buckethead, I think it it sounds like the more straightforward Guns N' Roses people would enjoy 
And I think particularly in the opening of this, those heavily affected guitars throw some people. I don't mind it, but I get it. I understand the critique there. Your thoughts, sir? So uh, song hammers right in, gets going right away. I get totally as you appreciate the additional context because there is that that techno funk kind of thing going on uh, that's a, a little different. I liked it. I thought that was okay. The tail end of this song, is the guitar work at the tail end of the song still him or is that back to the Guns N' Roses crew? You can really pick out his stuff. The stuff that, that sounds more heavily affected is his. So he's kind of woven throughout the song, especially in the beginning though. Like that whole intro guitar riff is him no i liked um i liked i liked the song i didn't you know not having as strong a frame of reference as you i didn't pick out the distinction on the beyond the fact i did recognize that front part was kind of different than anything else i heard on the album uh, i liked it thought it was a good a good song yeah i enjoy the song I, I it's a good you know heavy driving rock song but again if you and we we've you know going back to alice we talked about this with alice where sometimes the live versions are a little bit stronger i do think the live version of this is a little bit stronger because you get the core guns and roses sound consistently throughout Okay, now we're getting to one of the most popular songs on the record. I actually didn't initially like this song. This one had to kind of grow on me a little bit, and it's the opening. I just don't love the intro to it. The rest of the song, I think, is incredible. The song is called Better. It was one of the singles off of the album. It was also one of the first songs that was properly released off this. So for a few years prior to its release, there were songs, rough versions of songs were being leaked. And they had done a couple of songs for movie soundtracks, specifically one song that they had done for the movie End of Days was a really, really heavy song. Tons of like industrial sort of like chugging guitars in it. Way heavier than a traditional Guns N' Roses song, which again had some people worried about the direction of this record, forgetting that it was a song written specifically for a scene in a movie. So they, they wrote it to match the, the part of the film. This was actually a Richard Fortas song, though. It was a song that he had brought to them. And because the, the core writing core of the band is usually Axl Rose for the melodies and lyrics may occasionally some music in there and a lot of the music gets written by keyboard player and synth player Dizzy Reed writes a lot of the music he other than Axl is it Axl's the only original founding member in the band because it was just a revolving door in their early days uh Dizzy joined shortly afterwards and has been with the band ever since he's like 30 you know plus years into it so essentially basically a founding member at this point but this was something that Richard Fortas had brought to them I really really like the song it is one of the most popular ones it was a staple of their live shows even before the record came out and has never lost its place in live shows since definitely a song that everybody loves I don't love the intro but if you look up their current tour they actually change the intro <laughs> to it to this like heavier, very ominous buildup to it, the complete opposite of the sort of lighter, airy buildup that you have on the studio version. And I think it actually works a lot better. So I'm hoping they release a live record <laughs> with that one on it so I can get that. Yeah, so extremely different pacing to start this song off. <laughs> as you've kind of cover, covered already. So I was struck by that. This was the first one of now only three songs in where the vocals kind of frame the song even stronger than the guitar. You know, it, kind of the first ones, there's a balance always through this stuff, but something kind of carries the day. And on the first two songs, it was the guitar that was really kind of carrying the day for those first two. In this one here, I think the voice, uh, actually, the vocals actually uh, carry the song a little bit more, kind of really what gives it its structure which I liked. I wrote a nice guitar on it, and I knew as soon as I wrote that down, I go, you know, I'm going to be writing this down, I expect, on about <laughs> a lot of these songs. 
uh, which I followed up with an additional note, which was like extremely nice guitar. So this is <laughs> this is one, uh, particularly towards the end, some really great guitar stuff's going on. Really, really fun. I, I mean, I'm liking the diversity that's already kind of happening here. I can totally see how the song's possibly stronger with a more ominous start to it than this brighter pacing that kind of came in to begin with. So a nice little turn on the album and an enjoyable song. And about two thirds of the way in, there's a dramatic shift in the musical tone. And it goes into this, this, uh, Richard led instrumental section that I think is one of the strongest on the record of a record that, like all of their stuff is extremely guitar driven. As much as I think Mr. Rose gets a lot of the, the press for the band musically, this is a guitar band without question. So that's really what you're, <laughs> you're listening. Like that's the main selling point of Guns N' Roses stuff. And in my opinion, they always deliver on that. And I think it's actually one of the strongest guitar performances on here. That one little short clip. Yeah, it's it's strong. Very strong. Okay, so that brings us to Street of Dreams. Three more driving kind of songs in the beginning. So Street of Dreams is it's not a ballad. I wouldn't say it's slow, but it does it does kind of take a step back a little bit. One of the good things that I, I think Guns N' Roses does is they do really understand how to pace their material. You do get heavier songs mixed with the occasional ballad or the occasional mid-tempo song. And a lot of times you get multiple change-ups within the songs. I would not personally go as far as to call them like a progressive band. But technically, if you just broke down the music of, on any of their records, there are so many change-ups on it. It would definitely rival some of the more popular progressive bands like Rush or Tool in terms of how many times their key and signature changes on here. And I mean, there's no question the competency of their playing. So this is one of the, those kind of step backs to give you a little bit of a breather for some of the other stuff that's to come later. So again, another departure where you get kind of this nice piano introduction to it. I had a little fear struck in my heart. So I, I probably didn't, I know, well, I know I didn't share this at the beginning. Since my primary frame of reference is things like Sweet Child of Mine and Welcome to the Jungle uh, and Live and Let Die, some of those, those are ones where Axel spends a lot of time in the higher register. Uh, when yeah. he's singing that and i'm not a huge fan of that <laughs> they just and <laughs> and so i was a little bit worried that i was going to get like that all the way through and obviously i didn't but as this one started off what the fear that was struck in my heart was oh this isn't gonna be home sweet home is it because <laughs> it just starts <laughs> off at the beginning and i'm like oh i don't want it to be that and it clearly it wasn't because yeah, my notes go home sweet home question mark followed by nope <laughs> and so so there was just a hit. It's like, where's this going to go? And it had it came to the fork in the road and left home sweet home in the dust and went to a really kind of nice place. So, yeah, power ballad. I don't know what you call it, but uh, well executed. I enjoyed it, mostly because it wasn't home sweet home. <laughs> Not home sweet home, smiley face. Yes. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to, I think, one of the more interesting songs. I wouldn't say one of my favorite necessarily, but definitely one of the more interesting songs. If the World, another song that kind of threw people off because it was a movie soundtrack song prior to the album's release. In fact, a little while prior, I think. An earlier version of this was was recorded for a movie. Unlike the song they did for End of Days, though, which threw a lot of people off, this was polished up and finished and fleshed out and released on this album. The, I don't know if you would call it like flamenco <laughs> guitar playing in it. It is a little bit different, not totally out of place though, because there, there are some acoustic songs that they've done in the past and specifically, and as far as Slash goes, since we already mentioned him, in my opinion, Slash's strongest performance is this sort of Spanish influenced guitar solo on their second album. So this, even though Slash isn't on this record, 
this kind of put me in mind of that just kind of a different approach to the guitar but i i don't think it's it's different but i don't think it sounds so out of place where you're like this isn't guns and roses anymore so you and i are both worldly men <laughs> and so so you say spanish and i say indian <laughs> in terms of the i don't know that so the slash solo on the other record was Spanish influenced. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't say this was, I'm not sure exactly what you would call this, but it put me in mind of that where they, they pulled an influence that was totally different, but in my opinion, made it work within their sound. So I felt hints of a, an Indian influence at the very beginning. Uh, I continue to warm to Axel's vocal delivery again, cause he's not spending all the time up in the, the kind of shriek register, which I prefer. <laughs> Rhythm dominated song, some cool stuff going on with the voice dropout in it that's kind of uh, towards the latter section of the song. Snakes Along, a, g- a good song again, very diverse, a lot of different things going on here. And I don't know why I came in expecting to hear something a little more monotone, but I really have enjoyed so far the variety uh, on this album. Very nice. All right. So that brings us to one of my all time favorite Guns N' Roses songs. In my opinion, one of their greatest songs. This is. To me, of everything on the record, and I, I'm a big Axel fan, but of everybody who we've we've had some sort of interaction with from the Guns N' Roses camp, I've had no interaction with Mr. Rose in the past. But in my opinion, this was not only one of their best songs, but this is his strongest work, in my opinion. Vocally, delivers in a way that not only somebody at his age at that point who had been touring for so many years shouldn't be able to deliver. And because I know that, you know, because of, of our interactions with them, they're not relying on computers and studio tricks to to get them through this like they're serious musicians so i i know he's really doing this not only that it's it's exactly what i think guns and roses fans expect big queen-esque arena rock songs he's a big freddie mercury guy they're big queen guys we'll get into more of that on the next song but you know big queen-esque song lots and lots of change-ups in it also too i think one of the unsung strengths of what axel brings to the band putting his his vocals aside for a second because there are a lot of people they're more popular songs he is singing in a much higher register so there are people who just kind of associated with that as you kind of mentioned in my opinion really what he brings to the table is his weird approach to lyrics he really takes his time with the lyrics i think they're very visual they're very interesting not only that he tends to layer multiple meanings and hide little things within the songs so i don't know if you picked up on the song title sir (laughs) it is a song about a uh, relationship gone bad and there were some uh, apparently some divorces and things that happened during the (laughs) the course of making this record Uh, so there was some some contributions from people towards that it seems like a more and one critic and i wish i could have found the quote for this one critic said something like wow this is a more mature guns and roses approach to like a breakup song they're like and then i was staring at the title of the song (laughs) and it hit me So if you didn't pick up on it, sir, just stare at the title of the song. I got it. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get it the first time you said it, but then I looked at it a little bit more and then I was like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. So he loves putting tons and tons of stuff like that into songs. Like this isn't the only example of that, not even just on this record. There's a lot of things like that hidden throughout all of his lyrics. And I actually really appreciate that because you can just take them in face value. Or if you really want to pour over the lyrics, there there's little Easter eggs to find for the for you in there. What's more important though, I don't know if it was Rolling Stone or Billboard. One of the big music magazines put out their list of like the hundred greatest vocalists in rock music. And they put Axel on there, I want to say in like 
10 or 12 or something like that below Freddie Mercury and people like that. And then a bunch of music scholars reordered the list based on people's actual recorded ranges and put Axel at number one. And that pissed a lot of people off (laughs) who felt, including Axel. Axel was like, hey, I'm no Freddie Mercury. I'm no, you know, I don't deserve to be a number one on this. But this is actually the song that they they pointed to. And he does perform this song live. Uh, It's not a staple of their sets. And I can understand why there's a lot of (laughs) a lot of difficult vocal things going on here. But if you listen to the song, you actually hear him sing from a bass baritone all the way to a falsetto at the end of the song. So you hear him hit every vocal range in between build the buildup of the song towards the end. So it's very, very impressive. Musically, of course, great guitar work, great keyboard work, like you'd expect from them. But this is the one I really wanted to focus on Axel for. Well, it's no for unlawful carnal knowledge. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but like the song, very cool. I mean, the, the co- kind of choral uh, operatic start to the beginning and end. Very, very cool on that. I learned something that the devil hates losers. So that was good to know in the song lyrics. <laughs> That's handy. I did, you know... This is a strong vocal performance by Axel. Really did like that as I continue my surprise tour of liking his singing more than I expected to. He does a great job on this. This nice mix of synth slash strings guitar is very, very cool. I think it's probably the most adventurous song so far. Not that the other ones have been tepid in any stretch of imagination, but uh, I thought this one was kind of the more sprawling. A lot of stuff going on with it, and I enjoyed it quite a bit and totally missed the title thing. But now that's all I see. (laughs) Yeah. That is what a lot of fans just refer to it as because, I mean, it's the intended title. <laughs> so, And like I said, there's there's tons of stuff if you want to go digging through the lyrics and everything. Even in his stage name, his stage name is is that as well. <laughs> if you if you stare at it long enough, it'll come together for you. So that brings us to Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye is a song that took many, many different forms. There's a bunch of leaked versions of it that came out beforehand that are some very different. So it's the leaks are actually interesting. It's unfortunate because it definitely added to the length of time that it took to complete the record. But it is interesting to watch how a band sort of progresses a song along from the earlier incarnations of it. As I said, they are big Queen fans. And I think particularly if you listen to the Use Your Illusion stuff, which are some of the songs that you had mentioned, like the big arena rock songs, you can hear it a lot. An earlier incarnation of the song actually had Brian May from Queen doing some guest guitar work on it. He's not on the final album version. I'm not sure why why or how that came about. And Brian May has been asked about it because on a lot of the early promotional materials, he was listed as a guest star on this particular track. So he's not sure why he's he's not on the final product either. But that would have been interesting. And I, I think come full circle for them, obvious influence. And maybe that's why they took it off. Maybe they felt like there's there's a lot of Queen referencing <laughs> going on in their music. They don't need to add to that. I do think it's a it's a good song though, a strong song. I I kind of want the Brian May one though. <laughs> I'd always love a Brian May one. That would be awesome. Another kind of, and I really hate to kind of use the word power power ballad, but it's it's whatever the notch below a rocker is. It's that tonality again. Really like the vocals on this one. I felt almost in the middle, so I didn't. I wasn't. I was unaware of the kind of Queen connection uh, but i picked up a little bit of kind of beatlesque tonality kind of in the middle section a little bit that immediately gets swamped with the guns and roses guitar stuff at the end but it's kind of
kind of a nice juxtaposition uh, of those types of things. So I thought another very kind of sprawling, adventurous song. So that brings us to Scrapped. This is a song that I, I really don't hear a lot. Like, I, I just don't hear a lot of people talking about this one. I, I don't see a lot about it. And I think, honestly, in my opinion, it's just because it's the shortest song. Like, these are not short tracks <laughs> on this album. Guns N' Roses have gone on for much, much longer than this. Even on recorded versions of songs, they have songs that crack the 10 minute mark. Oftentimes, they're in the, the five to seven minute range, usually with their songs. Again, I wouldn't say they're a progressive band, but they do have a lot of those tendencies. So three minutes and 30 seconds, I almost feel like this is this is like a their their equivalent of like a Ramon song. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of short stuff on this album. <laughs> cool vocal intro, like that quite a bit. They roll into some kind of locomotive like Panzers cruising across the country guitar and vocals and rumbles right along. This is where he's spending a lot of time in the higher register, where which is the one part because you know, I've liked a lot of the other stuff better than that. But that that was I was kind of expecting to hear this kind of vocal delivery more common through the entire 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 setup. Definitely rumbles starts off really really strong and another good song so that brings us to raid in the bedouin so this song surprisingly got a lot of attention not that i think it's a bad song or anything like that but this isn't a radio song this isn't what i would call like a catchy song it has a a very long ambient sort of build up in the beginning of it largely by chris Pittman, who was with the band for a really long time multi-instrumentalist who has more he he comes from a background that's more experimental music that he did with his solo projects so he got to kind of bring some of that into this another sort of avant-garde experimental project actually claimed that they stole this from them the intro to this song and there was a brief lawsuit that sort of fell apart from that i did listen to the original uh track the other artist track i don't want to say original the other artist track which did come out first there there is some vague similarities but in the sense that this sort of ambient kind of build up would if anybody did it if that makes sense (laughs) um clearly using like similar instruments and sounds and things like that like if i gave you the same set of tools and asked you to make something like this you would you would come up with something similar if that makes any sort of sense yeah i love the atmospheric ambient start thought that was really cool uh i did as we roll out of that and get into the song as the guitar started off and it's i mean the there's truly a kind of a unique not zz top unique but a unique sound to guns and roses with the talent of these individuals you kind of tell when they're kicking it in i thought as the guitars started on this one it was a reminiscent of someone who's a uh, been mentioned on squat cobbler before ace fraley i thought as we started in some of that initial guitar stuff i was like ah that's got you know i could i could hear ace playing a little bit of that right at the very beginning uh with like you know tremendously better lyrics (laughs) you know than, (laughs) than we get with most ace songs sorry ace but you're awesome guitarist but I thought that was kind of kind of cool and a very interesting, a different kind of vocal delivery and cadence to it. Much different than anything else we've had on here. Guitar driven and, you know, my 47th really nice guitar note <laughs> on, on this one as well. Yeah, they do the guitars pretty well in this band. Yes, they do. All right. So that brings us to Sorry. It's another one of my favorites of theirs, just in general, not just on this record. Little change of pace, sort of a acoustic-ish opening to it but it builds up in the chorus 
to to more of a like a chugging laid back black sabbath <laughs> i would call it because it has those sort of like down tune tritone riffs but not as heavy like intentionally so that it keeps the melody of the song There's a few interesting things to point out in this one uh there are some guest vocals on the chorus by sebastian bach of skid row and axel returned the favor by singing on his solo record on a few songs there has been a lot and again i'm not going to get too much into the baggage of this record that's there's tons of stuff about that if you want to read it there are plenty of people who have attached meaning or attached a face to who this song might be directed towards so i don't need to get into that you can you can you guys can go and look that up if you're interested in it but i think it is a a great biting retort to somebody who may be publicly saying negative things about you so two seconds of brian eno to start the song off (laughs) he's gonna lose it uh, a little bit of his, ah, you know, he's there, he's gone. A very smooth song, very different than, than everything else on here. And if I were to write a song that included the lyric, I'll, I'll kick your ass like I said I would, this is delivered in the most polite fashion ever, <laughs> that, that particular line. Uh, I think the point is still made. Uh, on there but i thought i thought it was a very kind delivery of of the phrase but i i enjoyed it another really kind of unique neat surprise on this album for me very nice and And that probably tied probably tied for my favorite song on the album with chinese democracy nice yeah it's 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 one of my favorites on the record one of my favorites of theirs period so that brings us to irs i like this song but this is the most classic rock sounding song on there if that makes sense in in a way that guns and roses really never was because they're more again queen but heavier (laughs) has always kind of been their approach this is definitely more classic rock sounding than i think they ever were and not that that's necessarily a bad thing but of everything on this record that almost throws me (laughs) a little bit so uh, just to kind of play off what you you know not a lot to add to what you'd already kind of said Big song, uh, big vocal delivery. I do. It's more that arena rocky kind of thing. I do really enjoy the delivery of the chorus, the vocals and the guitar that go on in it. I just it, it's hooky. I like it. It's it's good, powerful, and driving. If you're writing a song about the IRS, this is a little too happy and bright for me. I think it needs to be darker, more ominous. You would think they'd have more to say about this. Yeah, it would be. It would. I would think I would think there'd be a little more a little deeper tone to some of it than it is. So that was a little unexpected. The song to the title, not the most unexpected song to the title. We'll get to that. But again, huh, look at that nice guitars. Another note about that: <laughs> really good guitar. I'm see I'm sensing a theme, Kelly. Yeah, I, I kind of thought there might be. All right, so that brings us to Madagascar. So (laughs) this is a song a lot of people have opinions about. This is a song that they were playing live years before this record came out. Like this was something that they had written and kicked around. And again, that's kind of the MO for the band. They work songs into the live set for a couple of years (laughs) and develop them. And (laughs) eventually they become a a song that gets released. This one had, had been kicking around for a long time. There were tons of recordings of it out, bootlegs that people had made from shows and things like that. And for a lot of more casual fans, this was the first introduction to this lineup of the band. The band had done a surprise appearance at the MTV Music Awards around like 2000, 2001, something like that. I'm sure somebody's going to fact check me and be like, it's 2002 or whatever. But at that point, they had actually taken a hiatus for a little while. So they hadn't played live and it was a strange appearance because there was like rumors of some big 
odd appearance at the end of the show and there had been some presenters who were wearing Guns N' Roses t-shirts and things which led to a lot of people online speculating about what it might be and then it turned out to be Guns N' Roses and instead of just playing hits or even playing a new song they did it like a melody a medley I'm sorry they did a medley based around this which a lot of people hadn't heard at that point because they hadn't been playing it live yet at that juncture so it was just weird and it kind of threw some people off I personally really like this song a lot of keyboards and stuff in it my only complaint there's a song that they've been playing live that was on a lot of the leaked demos called silkworms that in my opinion is one of guns and roses best songs it did not make the final cut of this record and is still yet to be properly released in part because of this song uh the band has because they've been asked about it in interviews because it was a song they were playing live they decided to cut it because they felt in the context of the record it had a similar build-up to madagascar and because people had already more people had heard Madagascar they leaned on this one over Silkworms and they didn't want two songs that had a a similar build-up especially because they probably would have wound up around the same place in the record in terms of the continuity of the record which makes sense and I do appreciate that they think about those things but I really want Silkworms there was also some people who had opinions about the Martin Luther King stuff in there they did get permission from the the King family who not only gave their blessing but even did interviews expressing their excitement about it being used in the song there are people who who felt differently about that though in particular because of interpretations of lyrics of one of their earlier songs which I'll leave at that I I don't need to get into that people can look up all that kind of stuff so again I I know I've in some of these past ones brought up this term a lot, but I only do it when I kind of feel it's true. Again, Beatlesque. There's a little bit of a kind of Beatlesque start to Madagascar. Unexpected, another very unexpected song for me. Not something I didn't you know have any anticipation of hearing uh, as as I went through this album. Shocker, nice guitar. Was a bit surprised uh, with the arrival of Dr. King in the song. He was as I was going through anticip you know anticipating getting ready to go to do this. I said. If there was a guest star, he probably would not have been in my top five uh, <laughs> in terms of who I would have uh, made an appearance. I thought it was done to great effect. I'm super happy that the family was cool with it and they talked to them about it. That's even much, much better. Very complex song. A lot of stuff going on with it. And I think the most important takeaway is give me silkworms. <laughs> Note. Put that song out. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to... plus. Where else are you going to hear Martin Luther King next to Brad Pitt saying this whole thing is fucked up? Noted. True. (laughs) Nowhere else. Just here. I'm pretty sure. I didn't fact check that, but I feel relatively confident. I think their collective body of work is limited, so you're probably safe. (laughs) So that brings us to This I Love, the the full-on ballad of the album of I would say like you said there's some power ballad-esque moments on here this is the one full-on ballad ballad on the record weirdly this has become a really popular song in live shows I think when the record was first released I don't remember there being like a ton of fanfare for this song in particular but it is a a staple of their shows fans love this song you you can see tons of videos of people you know stadiums filled with people singing along to this so it is a beloved song I do like it one of the interesting things I think and I have to look for one of the videos to send you people started making remixes mixing like completely different sounding songs with this song 
and like juxtaposing them together. There's one in particular where they took like gangster rap songs and like mixed it with this. I'm not sure how this started with that, but some of them work really well. And it actually gave me a different appreciation of the song itself. Every one of these songs. Now I look very closely at the title to see if there's an additional message in there before I, I <laughs> there's so none there that I saw the, um, again, unexpected. Uh, I had mentioned I'd bring Alice up again. That's here. If Steven were not based in a nightmare, <laughs> It might sound like this, you know, where it's, it is, it doesn't have the, uh, there, there are elements of the whole kind of welcome to my nightmare guitar sound and, and vibe of welcome to a nightmare, definitely into Steven on the piano parts on there that have some similarity or, or at least struck me as, as a kindred spirits, if you will. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Cause obviously a little bit of a big fan of, of Steven and, and Alice in general. Uh, it, it, again, it was another, this, was, this album was full of songs I just did did not expect this is another one i did not expect enjoyed it like i said i just i as it went through i just saw a little bit of that hey if if steven were a little more up of a song it could <laughs> it could it could be in this family a little bit more and again that that may very well have been an influence as they are big alice guys and now girl as well because there is a female member of guns and roses now that brings us to prostitute the closing song on the album this is another one that i've talked to a lot of people who really love this song and not that i dislike it or anything like that but i'm just a fan of the more driving stuff that you get on this record and then the big sort of like epic songs that that have all the crazy change-ups and things like there was a time i have to make sure not to say it the other <laughs> <laughs> and sorry in madagascar and things like that so this is a song that i feel like i don't give enough play to because so many people really like it that i need to check it out more and get it better rotation for myself i saw this title <laughs> at the at the end of the album and again coming in with very limited frame of reference i i thought this song would go a different way than it did uh, which I think speaks to your commentary about Axel's kind of layered delivery and thinking on lyrics and and uh, the thought that goes into it. So I I was going uh, a little more basic in what I was anticipating, uh, which wasn't that. And unfortunately, there's a Who song called Substitute that I had begun to, in my mind, form the lyrics to prostitute based on the cadence of substitute and i have them i'm not going to share them right now but they're they're pretty horrific <laughs> there's a rhyme with back i'll just leave it at that <laughs> but while not driving per se on that i mean this isn't a pedestrian song this 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 is is not a power ballad it it, it moves along okay nice guitar <laughs> shocker there but went a significantly different way. This was the only one as I kind of went there. I said, I need to kind of go back and I'm going to pull up the lyric database and just kind of go back through this one to kind of make sure I'm hanging in in general. And it just, you know, reinforces what you were talking about, which is Axel does pretty good work in kind of pulling stuff together and thinking, thinking things through. So I enjoyed it. There are a number of songs on here that I enjoyed a lot more than it, but it's another really good song on a really great and enjoyable album all right sir well i'm glad you enjoyed it i was hoping this wouldn't be the the turning point where you're like i hated this especially since there's always the possibility they could hear it <laughs> so yeah uh, i'm glad I, I, I really was tempted i think i told you off uh offline i was gonna start with well there are no hansen <laughs> there's a poor man's hansen but uh, I chose not to go that way because, and I couldn't because it's just really, really good stuff. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, sir. Maybe another Guns N' Roses recommendation at some point in the future. But I mean, there's not a lot, so they'll be spaced out. <laughs> 
And I'm glad you went into it with limited knowledge so that, that the drama surrounding its release didn't overshadow actually listening to the album the first time for you. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm yeah. looking forward to more prisoner exchanges. Yeah. And as evidenced by most of our squad on the issues, I tend to enter everything with limited knowledge. <laughs> so <laughs> there it goes. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Thanks, everyone. Like and subscribe. Alright, I'm gonna stop the broadcast.